to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. As we receive your word today, God, we ask that it would be life to us, that it would change us, that it would transform us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Really excited this morning about preaching and delivering a word to you. And thanks to all our visitors. Wave at me again, all our visitors who are here today. We pray that you have been made to feel welcome. Come on, let's give it up for our visitors this morning. Fantastic. It's great to see you all in church. And how many knows God answers prayer? If you don't believe that, you should have had your TV on about six o'clock yesterday afternoon and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. God answers prayer. And um, we were joking. We had prayer on Friday night and we did a closing prayer. And after I said amen, I said, P.S. God, help LSU tomorrow. And um, God heard our prayer. So thank God for that. But uh, why do they always leave it to the end? But you know, the, the reason, and I've said this so many times, the number one reason why I wanted LSU to win yesterday was because of church today. Because when they lose, people come in, and it's so sad, but people come in if they do come to church. But I'm glad that they won, that people could come in. And, and I don't know if you saw Dale. Dale was doing cartwheels and flips in the parking lot for whatever reason this morning. But, you know, I, I'm so glad you came to church. I think we've got a great church. Come on, I said, I think we've got an awesome church. God's blessed us with a wonderful church. But here's a question I want to ask you today. Who did you invite to church this week? Huh. Who have you been inviting to come along with you in church? Listen to the statistic again. I've given it to you many times. But listen to this. 73% of people who do not attend church were never invited. That means seven out of ten people that you work with or go to school with or live with in an apartment complex or in your neighborhood, seven out of ten of those people who don't go to church were never even invited to church. How many could agree with me this morning that we're all able to at least invite someone to come to church? Come on, put your hands up in here. Come on, so we need to do a whole lot better so we can see people come. How many have seen these cards out in the lobby area? Miss Karen Kelly told me a great thing that she does. She takes a stack of these in her car, and every time she fills up with gas, she takes it and she slides it in the handle of the gas pump. Isn't that cool? So the next person who comes by has to take that out and hopefully read it and not throw it away. Come on, great ideas that you can do just to invite people and bring them into the house of God. So we want you to do that. On Wednesday night, we were so honored to have Miss Denise speak with us or speak for us. Mr. Neese has been a nutritionist and still is, but has been a nutritionist for 27 years and worked in many areas, in many fields. She works with oncology now in a local hospital. 
But she taught us or spoke with us about the importance of having a healthy lifestyle. On Wednesday, I sent out an email to everyone. And in that email, I included these words. This was a sentence that I put in my email. It said these words, how many people have failed to fulfill their fullest potential for God due to bad health? Let me say that one more time. How many people have failed to fulfill their fullest potential for God due to bad health? As Denise told us, it's the wrong choices. Making the wrong choices. Our potential for God has suffered as a result of us even physically eating the wrong foods. Come on, don't shout me down today. But it's suffered. I didn't say it was no more, but it has suffered. It has been limited as a result of the bad choices that we have made in our lives. And I was thinking about all these things as I sat down Thursday morning to prepare for my message. And that's why that thought spilled over into what we're going to talk about this morning. I want to talk about this morning. It's time to fully fulfill your potential. Come on, it's time to fulfill your potential. Let me say that one more time this morning. I said it's time to fulfill your potential for God. If someone were to ask you a question today as such, I wonder what your answer would be. Here's the question. How do you want to die? How do you want to die? Now, I'm not talking physically because I'm sure none of us in here would say, well, you know, I'd love to die in a car accident or I'd love to die through cancer. I'm not talking about that. But what I want you to think, perhaps a better way to put it today would be this. How do you want to finish your life? What legacy do you want to leave to the next generation? If I'm going to live fully to the potential that God has for me, I've got to realize this, that I need to die completely empty. I said, I need to die completely empty, completely given out, nothing left in the tank, in the reserve. I want to die having lived life to my fullest potential. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It says this, and it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, The judgment. New Living Translation says, It is destined that each person dies. One day, and I pray that it's not soon for any of us in here, but one day it's going to happen. We can't change the fact. The Bible says there is an appointed time that each one of us are going to be here no longer. But when this does happen, what next? Well, we know there's a choice. It's either heaven or heaven. Yes, it is either heaven or heaven, I think, because I can't understand why anyone would want to choose hell. Come on, help me out in the place. So there's two choices. It's either heaven or heaven. I can't understand why anyone would willingly want to go to hell. Come on, it's important to make the right choice. There's a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. So we all know that after we die, that there's a heaven that we can receive. And of course, for those that don't receive Christ, we know that there is a lost eternity called hell. An awful place. So we know about that. But what about here on this earth? When we die, when we leave this earth, what have we deposited? What have we invested? What have we left here? 
to remain after we have gone? What seeds have we sown? What investment have we left here on earth? What lives or what lives, sorry, have we impacted and changed for the gospel of Jesus Christ? What testimony did we leave? I don't want anyone to lie at my funeral. I said, I don't want anyone to lie at my funeral. I've been to a lot of funerals where there was a whole lot of lying going on. I knew what that family thought of Grandpa Joe, and they were standing up there saying, oh, he was a saint. He was this. I was, I was kind of backing back a little bit, waiting for lightning bolts to come down and, and waiting for smoking shoes at the front because you knew they were lying. I don't want anyone to lie at my funeral. I don't want anyone to say that he did great or he was great or this or that if I wasn't what they are saying that I really was. Acts chapter 13 and verse 36, we read of David. It says these words, For David, after he had served his own generation, by the will of God, he fell asleep. Let me read that one more time. For David, after he had served his own generation, by the will of God, he fell asleep. What a great memorial to be said of someone that he served, that he gave of himself, that he fully invested. The picture here is that David literally was so, by the end of his life, so spent out through giving, through serving, through being, that literally he just fell asleep in God because he had come to the end of himself. He had accomplished his purpose. Think about those words. He had accomplished his purpose. I believe every one of us should should live life full. But we must die empty. I said we must die empty. Let me show you what I mean from God's word. If you were to turn to 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 20 and 21. 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 20 and 21. This is just a two-verse story. Say it with me, two-verse. Just a two-verse story. If you would look at some things in the Word of God, it's so easy perhaps just to read through two verses and not even really pick up on what's been said and skip to the next thing. But it's not by chance that we find anything in the Word of God. Even if it's a two-verse story, it has been divinely placed there for a divine purpose. And you know what that divine purpose is? To instruct us, to guide us, to challenge us, and to discipline our lives. So if I'm looking at this story, I'm not skipping around it. I'm looking and focusing at it today to see what implication or application it has for my life. So read with me today, 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 20 and 21. It says these words, Then Elisha died, and they buried him. And the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. So it was as they were burying a man. Notice the Bible does not even give his name. He's just a man. Therefore, of no significance, no one of importance, just an insignificant person. Think about this. A story is being written of something that is insignificant. But there's a significance that we must see. That suddenly they spied a band of raiders and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. 
And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood back up on his feet. One translation, I like this translation. One translation, you know, the New King James says, and they let him down and he touched Elijah. One translation says they threw in his body and ran. How many knows that would probably be more like what we're doing? I mean, we're not letting him down. The enemy's on their way. We're just throwing him in and we're hightailing it and taking it out of there. But I want you to picture the moment what's happening here. Their friend their family member, whoever he was, had died. They're in the graveyard. They're having a funeral. Perhaps they're singing. Perhaps it's an opening address. Someone's reading the obituary. They're having a funeral service. And all of a sudden, in the distance, they see a cloud. A cloud of smoke. Or dust, and it's getting closer and closer, and they start hearing a noise and an uproar. And one person starts to murmur to the next person who talks to the next person, and there's a big disturbance. And all of a sudden, they said, We better get out of here. Here comes the enemy. They're coming to rob us, they're coming to steal us, they're coming our way. So someone looks and says, Well, what about Joe? And they said, Who cares about Joe? He's gone already. So they said, they threw him down and they hightailed it. They threw him in and said, amen, and then they took off running. But as they're running away, all of a sudden they hear someone running behind them. And they're thinking, wow, that enemy must have been closer. But it wasn't horses, it wasn't all this noise. It was a single set of footprints that was running behind them. And the faster they ran, the faster the footprints ran behind them. Till finally they turn around and here's Joe. I mean, can you picture this? I mean, this is pretty amazing stuff. Here's Joe, the dead guy. They were just at his funeral. They threw him in a grave and hightailed it and ran. And now he's running right there behind them. What a story. The Bible says nothing more of Joe, even if that was his name, because it wasn't his name, because we weren't told his name, but I just used that as his name. Nothing was told more about him. We don't even know what life he lived up to that time, from that time, Nothing was ever said. But what we are told is this. He stood and came back to life. That's all we were told. That when his body, a dead corpse, hit dead bones. You got to understand, Elijah hadn't just been, Elisha, sorry, hadn't just been buried. There could have been years that had gone by. His bones, his body was decayed. There was just dead old bones just laying there. And when he hit those dead bones, something happened in his life. Something happened. That's all the story says. That's all the story. And then it just goes on, just like nothing's happened. So I began to think about it. There's got to be some significance here in this story. And then I began to think, there has to be something that I need to see here. 
There has to be something that's in this two-verse story for me, because if there wasn't any purpose, it wouldn't be there. But because it's there, there has to be a significance or something that I need to grasp and find in it. We need to see something. We need to understand something from a two-verse story today. So what's the point you and I must see? If we would look at the second chapter of 2 Kings, and we're not going to turn there today for the sake of time. But if we were to turn there and read that whole story, we would read of the handover, the passing of the torch, that Elijah was about to die, and his predecessor, the one that was coming up behind him, was going to be Elisha. He was handpicked. And Elijah is about to be taken to heaven. He knows this. God has told him that his time has come to an end. And Elisha now is to take his place as the prophet of God Almighty. Again, if you were to read it in verse 2 and in verse 4 and in verse 6 of 2 Kings chapter 2, you would see that there was three places or three cities that they went to. One was Gilgal. Bill mentioned that today, which meant rolling away. The second city was Bethel. The third city was Jericho. In each one of these cities, the Bible speaks of prophets coming out. People who were there to take care of the man of God. But no matter the comfort, no matter the security, no matter what was offered to him, he kept saying these words, I'm not going to stay. Elijah said to him, stay. And Elisha said, no, I'm not staying. I'm going with you. They went to the next city and Elijah said, stay. And Elisha said, I'm not staying. I'm going with you. They went to a third city and Elijah said, stay. And Elisha said, I'm not staying. I'm going with you. And finally, because he refused to leave Elijah's side, because of his persistence, this is what we read of in verse 9, 2 Kings chapter 2. And so it was when they had crossed over. Incidentally, they crossed the Jordan. After they had crossed over the Jordan, Elijah said to Elisha, for goodness sake, what do you want? I mean, there's got to be something. I've given you opportunity to stay here, to stay here, to stay here. And you wouldn't. And you rejected all that. And you said, I'm coming with you. I'm coming with you. I'm coming with you. Elijah's finally getting so frustrated with him and saying, what for goodness sake is it that you want? Elijah says, ask. I like how the New King James puts it, ask, exclamation point. Come on, he's like, what? (laughs) Ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? And Elisha said to him these words, please let a double portion of your spirit be placed upon me. In other words, Elisha said, I want to be twice the man that you were. That's what he was saying. I want twice as much. Not as in wealth and riches, because Elijah didn't have those things. But he said, I want twice as much of the power and the miracle working, moving of God's spirit to be in my life that was on your life. The Lord, or the Bible says that God granted him, Elijah granted him his request. Through biblical evidence, we see that Elisha, by the time he had died, had accomplished or had performed twice as many miracles 
as what Elijah had performed. Asked for a double portion and God gave it to him. However, there is one little thing that we've got to realize. By the time he died, I didn't say that quite right because the time he died, he was minus one. Listen to me. He was minus one miracle from the double of what Elijah had done. But God's word is so powerful that even in his death, God was able to accomplish that which he asked for in his life. I need to remind you today that God will perform his promises. God will do what he says he'll do. Even if it's through the bones of a dead man, God will be true to his words. From this message today, if you only get this point, I think it's a good one to get. And that is this, God will be faithful. Come on, God will be faithful. That's a great message. That's a great point to grab a hold of. But I believe that there is more that you must see today. So don't just drop out here. Stay with me today. You see, when Elisha died, he did not die empty. I said, when Elisha died, he asked for a double portion of Elijah's anointing. But when he died, there was still a portion of it still within his body that had not yet been given out. He didn't die empty. There was a power, there was a potential still within him that should have been passed down. That should have been given out. He died with unspent power still stored inside of him. Now, don't misquote me here. I never said that Elisha wasn't great and that he did not do awesome things and accomplish great things because he did. He wasn't even close to a failure. But there was a failure to give it all out and to die empty. You can't take it with you. I said, you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. You can have all the riches. You can have all the fame. You can have everything that the world has to offer. But you know what? You can't take it with you. That time my grandfather walked into a place. He knew a man that was very wealthy. And he walked into a baker's, a bakery in Scotland. And his buddy had just died. And they were discussing in the bakery how much money and everything he had left. My grandfather, when they asked my grandfather, they said, how much money do you think he left? And my grandfather said he left it all. Because you can't take nothing with you. You can't take it nothing with you. So if I can't take the potential, the calling, the giftings that God has placed upon my life with me, Wouldn't you agree it's time that I spend it all here on earth? Wouldn't you agree it's time that I look for ways and avenues that I can invest it so I can die empty, not die with still a potential inside of me? The Bible speaks that to each one, and we're going to mention this a little bit later, that to each one we know that God has given us all potential, our giftings, those things that must be used to further His kingdom on this earth. But what God has placed inside of you has to be spent here 
on earth. You can't take it with you. Heaven doesn't need it, neither does God want it back. But those around you need it. That person in the cubicle beside you needs some of that double portion that God's placed upon your life. They need that life that can come out from you. That person in your neighborhood, that family member, that child that you're a teacher of in the classroom, the people that you're in contact with, they need you to give out of your life the potential that you have, not for you to keep it all for yourself because you cannot take anything with you. You've got to die empty. You've got to give out. Don't die with regrets. Little boy walked into a restaurant one day and he sees the preacher eating this massive big steak. Goes over to the preacher and says, preacher man. And the preacher said, yes, son. He said, if you only had one hour to live, what would you do? And the preacher looked him square in the eyes and said, son, I would finish my steak. Now, you may think that's kind of selfish. But the preacher went on to say, I have lived my life every day as though it's my last, that I sit here today with no regrets, that I sit here emptied of self because I have given everything with every opportunity and every moment. I wonder how many of us would spit that stake out and run and get on the phone and try as much as possible to reach as many people as humanly possible in one hour. I wonder how many of us would order, come on, a dessert and just sit there for the whole hour. If we only had one hour to live. Why? Because we're not giving of ourselves. We're filling ourselves. We're stuffing ourselves. Look at Hebrews 11 verse 21. I'm going to read this verse then explain it. It says this, By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each one of the sons of Joseph, and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. What does the Bible say? He was leaning or he was worshipping where? Leaning what? He was leaning on the top of his staff. Can you picture that? He's leaning on the top of his staff. Now, for some of you, once again, you may say, well, obviously he's leaning. He's an old guy. No, the staff wasn't his walking stick. It wasn't his crutch that he needed to have to hold him up. There was something and is something very symbolic of what has been said here that you and I, I believe, need to grasp a hold of today. When Jacob was leaning, there's a reason why he was. When they were young, they would get given a staff. And this staff was something very special. Because every time God spoke to them, every time they had a dream, every time they had an encounter with God, they would take a knife and they would carve that encounter beginning at the bottom of their staff. And what would happen is they would hold that staff at the place of their last encounter, visitation, or where God had last spoke to them. So every time, so really he started from the bottom, I apologize, he started from the bottom. But as he had encounter with God after encounter, he ended up getting to that place where he probably couldn't even put his staff down. But he just carried it, and he carried it, and he carried it. But what does it say of Jacob? The Bible says that he leaned on the end 
of his staff. Thus showing every one of us the testimony of the life of Jacob that he said, I have completed and come to the end of my life and now I can lean and I can worship God. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. God's got so much things planned for our lives that you and I need to grab a hold of those things, but realize we've got to come to the end of those things. Jacob was saying, my life is complete. Jacob was saying these words, I'm dying empty. And that's why he was able to pass on the blessing to the next generation. Jensen Franklin says these words in one of his messages. He said, are you passing on iniquity or equity to your children? Are you passing on iniquity or equity to your children? That's a powerful statement. You see, there's a treasure that God has placed inside of each one of us. A treasure that must be opened up here on earth. We cannot spend what was intended for the lost even in the house of God. You and I are blessed for what reason? Why are we blessed? Come on, help me out. To be a blesser. Come on now. We are blessed for what reason? To give out. We are blessed so we can give out to others around. We are filled for what reason? To get empty. And that's not just for the pastors and the leaders of the church. It's for each one of us to give out, to serve, to play our part. You know why I have, I believe in my life, I have something of substance that when I walk into a Walmart or I walk into a grocery store or when I walk into a restaurant or I just meet someone, you know why I believe I have something of substance to give to people when I meet people? It's not because I'm a pastor. It's because I understand the importance of sowing. Is because I understand the importance of giving out of me. Come on, I could preach a whole message on obesity, spiritually speaking, in the church. What are you talking about? That people take, 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 give, give, give me, 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 me. That we come every week just for what I can get. We come all about me. It's all about me. It's all about my needs. It's all about me. Come on, spiritual obesity in the church. I just want it. Give it, 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 give it. But I've realized this, that my harvest only works according to the seed that I've placed into the ground. It doesn't come as an automatic addition just because I'm called to be a pastor. It's a choice that I must choose to make. It's a choice that I must take in my life. And that is this. God, you've given me great abilities and giftings. Now I'm going to use them and give them for you. And I'm going to use them to touch A soul. I said, I'm going to use those to touch a soul. I'm going to use that to make a difference in someone else's life. I know I've run out of time this morning, so as Gustav says, we're going to try and bring this baby to a land. We're going to try and land this plane. There's a story in Matthew chapter 25. Jot it down, Matthew 25, verse 14 through 30. Read it for yourselves. It's a great story. It's the story of the talents. When God gave out talents. God gave out talents to people. 
And in this story, what we read is this. That people of various degrees, abilities and responsibilities were given different amounts. But I think the meaning or the purpose of this story is not so often what we have made it to be. Let me say that one more time. I think we've misunderstood the purpose and the truest meaning of this story. Because what we have made it into so often is a comparison of who got the most. Literally, who's the best? Well, obviously they're the best because they got the most money. And then this person's not quite so good, so he didn't get... And then this person must have been pretty bad because he really didn't get much. There's a comparison that we have made judging who was the best by the amount that they got. That's the standard of measurement that the world uses. And when you use that standard of measurement, there is always someone who's going to be better than you. There's always going to be someone who's more qualified than you. So what does it make you do? Well, what's the point? God doesn't need me. I mean, I don't have skills. I'm not like Aaron and can stand up and sing like an angel. I'm not talented and I can't play the drums like Trey. I can't do these things. If only I could just do this. If only I could just run the computer like Tammy does and Jeanette does or the sound like Andrew, Fred, Doug and each one. If only I could have all these talents and giftings and all this. You see, when you start looking at the comparison factor, we never will we really fully stack up. Because there's always someone greater than us. So what's the point? Here's the point that we must get. And this is what I believe the real meaning of this parable is. Which, of course, a parable is a story that Jesus told that has heavenly meaning for our lives. In order to understand the importance or the meaning of the story, I think the first thing that we need to do is push the amount and the abilities aside. Can we do that today? How much they got and the abilities that they had. Let's just push that aside. Let's just forget that right now. And we need to ask ourselves this question. What am I doing with that which has been entrusted into me? Not how much and all the bit, but what am I doing with that which has been? I didn't say, well, they got more than me because we're not comparison. It's not the amount. We're looking and saying, okay, I have been given something and I have got something. So what am I doing with that which has been entrusted into my keeping? Come on, what have I done with that which God has given me? Let's bring it into context with this message. How much am I investing? How much am I giving? How much am I using? How much am I emptying out of myself? Come on, it's not time to dig a hole. It's not time to bury our talents and giftings and say, well, it's not really much. There's not really much. Listen, and and a ministry in the house of God, whether you work in the nursery, whether you clean the toilets, whether you're behind the pulpit preaching, how many knows every ministry is just as important as the next? In the eyes of God, you are serving God. You are giving out of the talents and the abilities and the giftings that God has entrusted into you. It's not time to dig a hole and say, well, there's no blessing for me. What am I giving? I have got to live my life to get empty. I've got to live a life that is emptying out of myself. Not to stay full. And when we die, 
our bodies must just be bones and not capsules containing someone else's miracle. When I die, my body needs to be bones, not capsules that's containing someone else's miracle that a body would have to hit my bones and come back to life. I wonder how much life there really is stored up in every one of us. I think there's a whole lot more than we could ever even imagine. You see, there's a job to be done. It takes work to empty your life. It involves service. It involves serving. It involves pouring into others around. Giving. There's a number of reasons that we could discover why Elisha died full. Or died not fully empty. Because he goes to a king and he gives the opportunity for a king to carry on the mantle and the king doesn't do it. His servant has already sinned. He couldn't pass it on. There was no one that he had around him to pass on the anointing, the power, the life onto. But can I tell you right now that we are not in the same situation as that because there are people who are lost and dying and hurting and broken all around us that we don't even have to go looking for them. They've found us already. We've got to be so careful. We've got to be so careful when people ask us questions. Some questions people ask are really dumb. Come on, let's just be honest. They're stupid questions. So you know what we tend to do? We tend to give them a stupid answer. But I've discovered this. If someone asks you a question, spiritually speaking, or something to do with anything, no matter how crazy and how silly and stupid you may think it is, you better give them the right answer because your eternity or their eternity could hang on that stupid question. We know the answer, so we just automatically think that they should. They don't. That's why we've got to realize that we're giving of ourselves. We're pouring out of ourselves. There's a job to be done. There's someone else out there who's in need. There's someone out there who needs it, who wants it. We're going to face rejection. We're going to face difficulties, hardships. We're going to face frustration. But it should never cause us to cease giving out of our lives. can't remember the baseball star, but he said these words. You've got to love like you have never been hurt. Love like you have never been hurt. Let me say that one more time because you've got to grasp a hold of that today. You've got to love like you've never been hurt. You know what our tendency is? Just to hold back because we don't want to get hurt again. So the next time we hold back even more and we hold back even more and we hold back, what are we doing? We're making a capsule of what God's potential He has placed inside of us that we need to be given out to those around. I could go on and on today, but I think today you see what I'm trying to say to you. Or really what I believe God is trying to show each one of you. That He's trying to speak into your life today. Look at these two statements just before I close. It says these words. How much power is locked up today inside of the church? How many people's miracles are on hold because they're stuck in a storage container that we have labeled and called the church? 
I'm not talking about the potential in the fact of all the power that we know is here. But what I'm talking about is the untapped resources that we know are inside of us, but yet we are choosing not to release them. Come on, there are people in this place that you know God's given you a calling and an anointing to be a musician, to be a songwriter. We need your songs. We need your music. We need you here. The kingdom of God needs you. We know that God has placed such a nurturing spirit inside of some people. We need you in the nursery to hold and to nurture and to train our children. There are some people who love to drive. Why is that? Because God has called you to head up and help us with a bus ministry in our church. There is people who's got such compassion. There's people who's got computer knowledge and and wisdom and strength. There's people who know how to handle money and finances and all these kind of things. Why do you think you have those potentials inside of you. Well, Pastor Philip, it's to make a paycheck. That's second. Number one is to use it for the glory of the kingdom of God. And until we get to that place where we are truly using our potentials, I believe in the right manner, in the right way, we're going to live frustrated. And we're never going to enjoy the fullness and the freedom and the power that God has for each one of us. See, it's all about others. Jesus said it this way, it's not about the 99. He said it's all about the the one. He left 99 safe to go after the one. We could account, consider the loss and say, well, man, 99 one, we'll take those losses. Jesus wouldn't accept that loss. And thank God he didn't accept that loss because many of you were that one. Come on. Now, because of that, What do you owe to him? I'm not trying to put people in condemnation today, but what do we owe to him as a result of what he gave to us? When you lay in your bed tonight and you put your head on that pillow, and I hope it's a lot more comfortable than this. When you lay your head on your pillow tonight, how much potential is going to sleep with you that should have been released today? How much of your testimony is going back to sleep with you again today that should have been shared? When you lay your head on your pillow tomorrow, how much potential have you wasted or haven't used or zooped out of your life because you're just keeping it inside of you? Come on, it's time that we die empty. It's time that we live to the fullest potential that God has placed inside of us. They said each one of us has a job to do. How many would agree that we have a job to do before we die? And we haven't even began to finish that job. We've just started that job. But there's so much that we need to do. We need to live every day like it's our last. To live full, but yet to die completely empty. There's enough potential in this room today to not only take the whole city of Baton Rouge, but to take this whole state of Louisiana. I believe that. We can pray and say, and I do, I pray, and the Lord sometimes has to remind me. You know, I pray, God, send us people to do this and do that. And you know what my prayer has been lately? Cause the people who are already here to rise up into their rightful position and realize that there is a potential that God has placed inside of them. Can I say it this way? This is how, um, what's his name out of um, Phoenix, Arizona? Um, Tommy Barnett says this. God told him once when he had all these dreams, And he said, God, I need this, 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 and this. And God said to him this words, the miracle is already in the house. I believe the miracle is in the house. 
I believe for some of you, God's been dealing with you about being more involved. And this is not just talking about serving in your church. That's a part of it. Because I believe there's great joy and fulfillment like David found as he served his next generation. I believe there's a joy in doing that. But that's not what it's just dealing with. It's talking about when we step out of these doors under that sign, it's my time that we go out and everyone we come in contact with, we're leaving deposits in their lives. Come on, taking something out of us, taking something away from us that when it's our appointed time to die, come on, we are completely bankrupt and given out because we are not carrying any potential with us any longer. Come on, it's time to give out. It's time to live full but yet to die empty. We must release it. We must give it. We must die empty. Come on, it's time to fulfill your potential. How do you want to die? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At HeartSeas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.